it's Thursday. This has been one hell of an August. We've seen a lot of things and a lot of people come and go. We've had a lot going on. You know, I mean, this country is in a whole different space as it was 50 years ago, or is it? CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. If you hear like a little wheeze, I'm sorry, I'm asthmatic. Well, actually, I'm not sorry because it's not my fault I'm asthmatic. But we'll also talk about climate change soon. You know, uh, we do talk about different topics here. We do, you know, discussions on various social injustices. And climate change is definitely one that burdens the black and brown community. Now, for the purpose of today's discussion, it will be me recapping the, you know, just what we've been talking over these last few days. You know, and I just want to bring attention again to the fact that we have a young leader here, Manny, Manny Camacho. And, you know, for him to be 18 and to be as vested in the fight, the movement, you know, you have to admire, but also protect and empower that. We need to do that. We need to not just, you know, hear our young people, but listen. There's a big difference between hearing and listening. And over the last few days, when we've been discussing the various social injustices, power, place, and privilege continually come up when, you know, talking about conservatism, white supremacy, racism, oppression, slavery. Why is that? Why does power, place, and you know, privilege. Why do they have to go together? Because that's how it goes. That's how you can maintain the separation of wealth. That's how you make sure that one group of people remain tied by the change that they were given and another gets a field to play in. That's how you get to the point where when you tell white people what you're doing annoys me and not even annoys me. That's not a, that's not the word I should use there. When you, well, yeah, no, wait, I'll take that back. It is annoying because you shouldn't have to tell a white person something more than once, but we have to. Let me just stop there for a second. White people, just as offended as you get when we talk about your power, place, and privilege and white supremacy, white toxicity, white fragility, and all these other matters, how the fuck you think we feel walking into America? Because outside is America. We don't have a book for what we have to deal with. We don't get, there's not like a how to deal with or how to navigate. It's what's been happening, what's been allowed to continue to happen, and what will get even worse if we don't get more white people to just fucking face their privilege, power, and place, right? Now, instead of getting offended, I challenge you to learn. There's a lot of things in my life as a black immigrant woman that I just had to learn. I didn't have anybody to teach me. I didn't have a guidebook. I didn't have a reference point. I didn't have any of that. None of those things. I just had the will to survive. And that's what it comes down to in a nutshell, to an extent, because there's more to that, of course right? Because, you know, in this thing called America, there's days when you just don't want to move. There's times when you've felt like, how many times do I need to provide evidence that I know what I know? I I am, you know, capable. I am educated. I have lived experience. How many fucking times to validate? We have to validate not just our existence, but anything that aligns with that, if I have to explain why I crossed the light, I have to explain it. A white person with power, place, and privilege could laugh that shit the fuck off. When I watch TV, I have to, you know, remind myself that some of what I see doesn't apply to me. Power, place, and privilege, you may not, you know, see things that way. At the end of the day, power, place, and privilege, and if you say that, so fast enough times you start to get tongue-tied of course but it is tongue-tying because it always comes back to that these are very influential things and these happen these are matters which affect us from the streets to the legislative office 
I mean, look at what's going on right now in our school systems, right? We have all these schools now where the bus drivers are complaining about the conditions of the buses. Ceilings have mold in them, you know. But when you look at where the attention is drawn most of the time, now, mind you, in the black and brown communities, most of our schools look like jails. They're set up for the school to prison pipeline, right? You go in there and you feel depressed already. You feel like, okay, just give me my orange overall and I'll just, you know, I'll just proceed. And then we wonder why we have such right, you know, high rates of absenteeism, why we don't have more black and brown children, you know, vested in their education, much less continuing it. We we question literacy rates, but we don't pay attention to the lack of resources and not just the resources, but the people who look like us, okay? Not only administering the program, but managing it. Power, place, and privilege. Even amongst our black and brown people, power, place, and privilege plays a big role. A huge, huge role, right? Someone who lives in the more acceptable side of town, black or brown, who has a house, a husband. Nobody said if the house is you know, fixed up or nothing, but because they have it, they have a privilege. They have a marriage, they have a partner, doesn't matter if it works or not, doesn't matter if it's happy or not, but they have it. They go to church or wherever else, you know, go to work, they're in that circle of people who belong, power, place, and privilege. And what do these black and brown people do? Well, when they encounter the up and coming or the lesser um, privilege, the poor, right? The oppressed, the person who just, you know, is post-incarceration, the person who just is trying to get their life together, man. It's not that I'm not educated. It's not that I'm not skilled. I just haven't gotten my break, right? The person fighting with what their next decision will be because life is happening so fast and they only have so many, you know, things that they can rely on and people that they could lean on. That's the time we're in now. But back to the original conversation, power, place, and privilege. When you have black and brown people on opposite sides of that fence, right? Of course, you're gonna have the stigmatization within our own communities. And just like we talk about white supremacy, we need to acknowledge that. We must acknowledge how power, place, and privilege affects us not just when we interact with white people, but also how we interact with ourselves because we mirror it. When we get that buy-in, right? When we realize, oh, wow, I'm down with them now, we turn our back on our own. And some of us grew up in that type of setting, so we're not attuned to what struggles other people are going through and why they get frustrated and why they get annoyed when they're not represented. And then they typecast in the same way as their so-called white allies, right? Some folks like that turn into Uncle Toms, full-fledged Uncle Toms, Sambos, sellouts, snitches, however you want to put that. And some are faced with, shit, I didn't grow up in the hood. My parents were, you know, able to provide me with a stable home. I had my own bedroom. I didn't have to sleep next to my cousin. I didn't have to, you know, fight for fridge space or eat my dinner when it was cooked just so I could have something to eat because if I didn't eat then, I wouldn't eat at all. I didn't have to deal with, you know, um, the lights being out or not having enough water or having to find different ways to wash my clothes or having to wear the same clothes for days because we had to, you know, make sure that we had enough. I didn't have to live with enough. And some of us, you know, even though we grew up in power, place, and privilege, we realized that later in life that we had those things and we may have consciously decided, well, let me try to figure out how I could help other people. And in that battle, we have to confront our power, place, and privilege. By the same token, white people have to do the same. The fact of the matter is COVID, as I've said before, has drawn out various socioeconomic factors within our communities. and country as a whole. 
one of the biggest ones that occurred to me, and I don't know if this one occurred to you as well, but I'm sure some, if any, occurred to you, was the separation of wealth. We got to see what that looks like. We got to see what it looks like when people don't think about their health. They, oh, I don't have health insurance, no big deal. We got to see the impact of food prices. Who did it impact the most? Oh, well, wait a minute, food security, right? We got a first row view of what that looks like. Who is food insecure and what does that really look like, right? And how do we service the food insecure? Do we really try to help them improve their lives or we just do what we can and pat ourselves on our backs? But that wasn't the only insecurity that came through that showed power, place, and privilege. Of course, the healthcare, you know, healthcare as a whole, we got to see how that plays out there. We got to see, like, where is the power, place, and privilege? The minute the vaccine launched and you saw who was in the line, who got the preferential treatment, who got the education on COVID, right? It didn't matter if you received it in the sense of accepted it and said, okay, yeah, I, I want to get, but who had access to that, right? Because power, place, and privilege also aligns with access and opportunities. We got to see who are the main decision makers for certain things. And if you were like me, you should have paid attention to the fact that we have a lot of the same people making decisions at different tables. That's not cool. Where's the democracy in that? Power, place, and privilege, access, and opportunity. We got to see how that plays out in democracy. I'm not holding my breath no more as far as Donald Trump. My black ass go outside and I trip and fall. And when I trip and fall, I accidentally cause somebody else to, you know, swerve, you know, a driver to swerve their car because I trip and fell into the road. When the police roll up, right, that case will be tried and held right then and there. It's been how many fucking years and we're watching power, place and privilege still play out. Power, place and privilege down at the Capitol. We got to see that play out, both by the fact that these people were able to even get that close. Manny spoke about that, right? When we recollected our thoughts and experiences on January 6th, how it made us feel, right? And he spoke about the fact that, you know, watching this unfold as a young person who is vested in democracy and he believes in it to the point that he wants to be part of it. And then he had to watch all these people, these white people mostly, trying to get into the capital, do all the damage and everything else that they did. And it, it was just happening. It seemed like a movie, but it really wasn't. Power, place, and privilege is what it was, right? But he also knew that if that was him, little old Manny with his little Latinx self had been there, even if he hadn't been involved. If he was standing, if he and I were standing on the side where all of this was happening, we would have been arrested. Our trial would have been right there on the spot, power, place, and privilege. Even after that, we saw and we are seeing still how that plays out, power, place, and privilege. You notice you're not hearing much about the black and brown people who were part of January 6th, not in the way that you're hearing about the white people who were arrested and all their sad stories. Oh, mm -mm. oh my, oh my, we should feel so sorry for them. Oh, oh, so sad. You know, they decided to go and, you know, destroy the Capitol and they all got fucked up. Oh, oh boy. Oh, how heartbroken I am to see white supremacists get shut down. You're fucking right. The fact is, is that the reaction to that was lackluster. It was, it was just not, because we all know in the black and brown community, if that was a bunch of black and brown people, you would have seen the entire American military converge on the Capitol in a way like no other time. I've said it before and I'll say it and say it again, right? When black and brown people come together, doesn't matter 
if we like each other on a personal level, if we start organizing together. Now, I'll admit to you, there are some black and brown people I won't work with. I get it. I'm not saying everybody's going to be your BFF. We all have boundaries. So when I say that, I want to be careful. Whatever boundary you set with certain people, and for whatever reason that is, I respect that. But what I'm saying is on a bigger scale, the more of us who come together and work on projects together and support each other, right, it scares the fuck out of the government, especially the white supremacists. Because that's what they've been trying for us not to do since the beginning of time. Don't you see that? Don't you see how power, place, and privilege has led us here? And why, like we said a couple nights ago, conservatism is on the rise. Huh. How is that possible? How the fuck is that possible? Ask yourself that question. With all that has happened, right, we've seen and witnessed the police brutality while in quarantine. We watch an attempted coup by a group of white terrorists. So how is that possible? Hmm. Why would there be an increase in conservatism in a time like now? Why? I said to you a couple nights ago, pay attention to that white media. You think they're showing you those images of the border by mistake? Nope. Mm -mm. Let me tell you all something. Grooming is not a term that is confined to a particular scenario. You could get groomed in different ways. We groom horses. We groom ourselves when we dress. But you could also be mentally groomed right, to look past oppression. Mm -hmm. When they sit there and all of a sudden you're their BFF, as someone said to me, a white person, in fact, you're not a problem until you're successful. So that is very true. And this was said about a white, by a white person about white people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's take back our minds to what's going on with Obama right now. I'm not his best friend. I've never been to his house. We've never had breakfast together. We don't tweet each other. So I just want to make that abundantly clear, right? I am still personally mad at him for the number of deportations that occurred in his tenure. However, what I'm not in agreement with is conveniently enough, the Republican Party is on this, you know, campaign to destroy him. Mm -hmm. And you should be concerned about that. Why? What's the sudden interest in all these powerful black people? Have you not noticed? Don't get mistaken. The attempt to bring down black and brown people who fight for justice is another thing that's old as slavery. But the problem is, we seem to believe that, um, you know, it happens over there and not here, right? In other words, just like Obama's getting dragged, there are other black and brown leaders who have been dragged, who are celebrities, who are legislators, who are regular people like me and you. And what the fuck do we do? Do we buy popcorn and we watch it play out? Do we say, listen, man, Let's, let's rally up in support of that brother or sister. Okay? Let's rally in support of them. Do we do that? Or do we add a little gasoline to the fire? Because here's another thing with power, place, and privilege. Did you know that white supremacy would not be as successful and normalized as it is had it not been for the buy-in of our own people. Oh shit. What the fuck did she just say? I said, had it not been for our own people, the buy-in and normalization of white supremacy would not have continued and would not have been as, it's so normalized, it's ridiculous. I don't think most of you even realize 
how much you play into white supremacy. When you sit there and you shut down the person or persons who decided to talk about white supremacy, you're playing into it. When you sit there and you decide to allow a white person to toxify your surroundings with their behaviors, their attitude, their narrative, and you just play blind to it and you let it take life, congratulations, you just added to the problem of white supremacy. When you sit there and you see things happening on the job, you see that one black employee or brown employee or both or several being treated badly, that bad boss, that bad owner, that bad supervisor, that, that person, everybody knows they're terrible, everybody. But you all just sit there and you watch them toxify. Congratulations, you're part of the problem. When you sit there and you endorse someone to represent a group of people, right? Especially those of you who seem to be vested in having white people carry out the mission, right? Congratulations, you're part of the fucking problem, right? And we need to acknowledge these things because our representation fucking matters. Our lived experience it matters. Our art matters. Our stories matter. Our narratives matter. Our pain matters. Our success matters. We matter. But when we don't support each other, and when we let the white people shove us off at our spaces, just because they're saying Black Lives Matter, listen, when I say that, I don't mean you should stop saying that our lives don't matter. What I'm saying is, don't just say it because it sounded good to you. Don't just say it because it was a way to get in there. Mean that shit. But what we have to do as black and brown people, we have to recognize those three words and what they mean. Because whether you know, acknowledge, or realize it or not, power, place, and privilege plays a big role in terms of the access to opportunities all right, and access as a whole. It plays a big role in our narrative. It plays a big role in how we treat each other, right? We shouldn't allow someone to use their power, place, and privilege to treat that other person who was our diehard like shit or to watch them destroy somebody who you don't even know. You go to the store and you see that person being nasty to somebody. I saw that the other day. I was at a store trying to return something. It was actually um, a reputable department store for the most part. And this older black woman, she was fiddling around in her purse trying to find her receipt. Something like that. You know, she's fiddling around trying to find the receipt or whatever it was she was looking for to show her proof of purchase and whatever accompanying document she had. And the person attending to her started to grow impatient a young white boy well ma'am you know um, I have a line so just move aside um, and please come prepared next time now okay I've worked retail before and I've had to deal with a line that's part of your job okay unless you work at a fast food place or somewhere where it should be come and go if I'm in a fucking store right in a line it's your job to do what you need to do quickly, efficiently, or sometimes not that quick, but it has to be efficient. That's your job. And you should do it with a smile. And you shouldn't take it as a way to exert your power. It only took her like two minutes to find what she was looking for. That was the fucked up part because she walked up with her item and she said, oh, let me grab my uh, receipt. And something else I think she had with it. I guess she had a coupon that she had used. And she just wanted to show what it was so she could get whatever credit or whatever it was sorted out. And he couldn't wait that three, two minutes. You had to tell her to move out of the line. So me being me now, I'm watching it play out. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are you serious? And even though I had my own return and I was like, 
two people behind her. I said, we're fine. We could wait for her. Mm -hmm. I guess what? The other people in the line said, yeah, don't worry. We'll wait because he was such a jerk for no reason. Just the way he said it, very condescending, like we were bothering him. You know, it was like four of us in the line and we didn't give a crap. We were like, let her do her thing. And she looked back at us and she looked at me and she just said, thank you very softly. So just imagine if that happens to that poor elderly woman in one store, how many times that happens, right? How many times have you seen somebody get written up on some bullshit or laid off on some bullshit? Hmm? How many times did you see a side deal? Where all of a sudden, oh, we need to work with so-and-so on this um, on this project because they have X, Y, Z. They have the access. It's really what they're telling you. And you don't. Right? How many times have we watched our own people take the same knife that we got stabbed with, wipe it off, and stab us too? Mm-hmm. Power, place, and privilege. How many times have you turned on the TV? And you said to yourself, or maybe out loud, good fucking Lord, I elected you and you don't even represent me. You keep doing the same shit over and over. But what did you do about it after that? Hmm? How many times would you say that that group right there, that, you know, that group of people, be it a union, be it, you know, an organizing movement is heavily white. And you knew it. And you knew that they were representing a matter that had us involved. I mean, we're involved in any, everything and anything, to be quite frank. But yet we're not the ones representing or being represented. How many times have we had to validate our lived experience or been told, don't say that, you know, you want to say this instead? What the fuck is that? And then you wonder why things don't change, power, place, and privilege. When you allow those things to be normalized, you're normalizing white supremacy, just so you know. It's okay to say something. Guess what? If that job lays you off because you said the right thing, guess what? Maybe that job has a bigger problem. And maybe what you need to do is find the other people that they also did that to organize and make it known. Because people like that should not be allowed to be in business if they're abusing their employees like that. Or if you see someone intentionally sabotaging somebody or a campaign or, you know, their position, say something. And if you get the pushback, if you decided you don't want to work with such and such because, listen, you're too affiliated with the Republican Party. I don't feel like you're going to cater to my needs in my community. Walk away from the shit. You listen to me. Just on the note of legislation just so you know there are probably more black and brown people than you realize who are willing and able very capable of representing you as a lawmaker or legislative representative whichever it is however you want to class it that we do not acknowledge why power place and privilege the whole system is skewed to power place and privilege from when you look at jobs right Certain jobs, power, place, and privilege. Certain offices, power, place, and privilege. It's the backbone of white supremacy. It plays out all the time. Education, my God. Let me tell you all something. I watch this fucking play out. I could only speak from my lived experience. And I try to be careful when sharing the experience of others because they're not here. If they're on the pod and they share it, that's one thing. But for the most part, if I do refer to it, I try to keep it, you know, copacetic there. The thing about it is, I was at a school, I worked for a school, and I watched white supremacy, Republicans, in full force. What happened was, the main, our head person at the school I was at, he is a very dedicated democratic socialist. Nothing wrong with that right? Very vested. And at this point in time, this is when Trump was going up for re-election. And out of nowhere, because he wrote an op-ed, the, the person who ran the school, he wrote this op-ed. It was really good, actually. And he was referencing why, you know, why we need to change certain things, especially in education, and how the political climate has been playing out 
and affecting educational resources and opportunities, especially in black and brown communities. Well, guess the fuck what? I shit you not, the Department of Education, not the local Board of Ed, not the State Department of Education. This is coming all the way from the tippy top, right? They decided to suddenly question, or at least all of a sudden, they put a stop on the loans, the, the fundings being received by the school due to saying they needed all these different reports because we hadn't reported this and we hadn't reported that out of nowhere. Now, if you look deeper into it, you'll realize that was a request just made to this particular institution. There was nothing happening in terms of questionable this or blah, 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 nothing like that. They literally, literally decided to stop the funding. How the fuck do you think they were able to do that? Power, place, and privilege. That man would now find out in his own school, in his own administration, and again, I watched it play out. There were people in there who were dedicated Republicans and conservatives, let's not forget them, who opposed his ideology such that they started to report things to the Department of Education without his knowing. And the way that they did it, they made it seem as if that they were trying to save the school. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not trying to butter this like bread, but they were really pushing to make him seem incompetent due to the fact that he had made certain decisions regarding um, the programs and things like that. And also he pushed for more um, diversity in terms of our school catalog and stuff like that. So I'm painting the picture because most people sadly will think, well, what's the problem with that? If they found that he wasn't doing his job, they should report him. No, this is what I'm trying to tell you all. This is how normalized white supremacy is. People could come into your own space and make you think that that person is not doing well or good or whatever it is just because on their own cognitive biases, they don't like them and they don't like what they stand for and who they are. So what do they do? As a great friend, Rhonda C said to me, when white people cannot control and conquer something, they burn it the fuck down. And I literally watched this happen to this man at that school. Within months, I went from having a job to having to find a job out of nowhere, literally. We had just done a full admission of a whole group of students. That's how random this was. And yet in the media, there's this back and forth that only those of us involved know about. See, you don't even know about it if you were reading and paying attention or it caught your eye, right? So this whole situation is playing out. And here's the leader of the school and he's pushing back. And he's telling the feds, like, look, this this is not right. You know, they're, they're just, you know, diving into our funding and they had to stop with certain things and it's going to affect us and it's going to make our reporting look bad because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And they won the battle. I told you all before, Republicans and conservatives sit in high fucking spaces. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they are lawmakers, they are mayors, they are, you know, you name it, they're there. They're working at UI. They're working at Comcast. They're working at Yale. They're working in the schools. They're sitting on these boards and they're, they're pushing the bipartisan shit because really, what is that? That's a way to reinforce power, place, and privilege. See, y'all could go ahead and disagree with me on not liking bipartisan shit, but I invite you to do your history, as I've said before, on how the Republican Party was formed. And so, how was the Democratic Party formed? Do your research before you come for me. Because really, when you engage in bipartisan shit, what you're really doing is reinforcing Republican values, just so you know. Mm -hmm. And in case you didn't know, conservatism was the way that they were able to maintain. That's a key ingredient in maintaining white supremacy. They're all related. You need the conservative Dems to push back and say, well, we need some Republicans to buy in on this bill because they'll make it stronger. Or 
you know, we need some Republican people to come out and support my candidacy because it will show that we're all together or better yet, all lives matter. What do you think is really being reinforced there? Mm -hmm. When you sit there and you say that you're about the community, but you're really pushing to reinforce the chains that are already binding your community, such as policing, such as mass redevelopment that will put a lot of people out of housing, such as more money into military equipment for the police. Oh, wait a minute. Ha <laughs> ha. Deportations. Detaining people. Such as allowing ICE to roam your city because it's not a sanctuary city. That's how they maintain it. That's how they, you know, they say they're about this, but they're allowing that to happen. But what are you going to do about it? Are you going to allow it to continue? How many times do you need your space to be violated, infiltrated, and your people put at danger and you put at danger, your values contested, your way of life challenge, your thought process being made to seem like shit before you realize maybe it is good to have boundaries with certain people and maybe it is a good idea to recognize where power, place, and privilege plays out in terms of white supremacy. Because in this country, especially in the state of, you know, the Northeast as a whole, white supremacy has been normalized. A couple nights ago, Manny shared about that, right? Because in the South, you could tell, you could drive around in the South and you could get a good idea of where all the white supremacists hang out and live and so forth. In the North, they live next door, they work with you, they represent you, they protect you, they educate you. They don't come through the gate saying, I'm a conservative or a Republican. They don't do that. What they do is they play the bullshit games in the background, the mind fucking, right? They sit there and they fuck around with your education system, right? I don't know, one of the ways that is happening right now is the overcrowded classrooms. I don't know about you, but right here in New Haven, Connecticut, I can tell you of several people that I know personally who have tertiary education as well as lived experience and are black or brown, who could very well be a teacher. But because of how the certification process is set up in the state of Connecticut, you would have to give up at least three months of your life to preserve, pursue sorry, becoming a certified teacher. And for the average black or brown person, that's not feasible because I have to feed my family and I have to survive. So what we do is we go and we try to be a teacher. And then when that point or a social worker, let me not forget that one, right? Because did you know that? Did you know to get your LCSW or MSW? Do you really know what it takes to get those certifications? Let me just ask that question first. Do you realize in this state, as like in other states, there are restrictions in your education that actually put you at a point where you have to make a decision between surviving or living hand to mouth and finishing? Because not all of us have the power, place, or privilege to be able to not work and go to school. So it begs the question, where's the resources? How come we haven't seen the state say something like, all right, we need more black and brown social workers and teachers, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to fix our current certification because guess what? These things are amendable. Did you also know that it is well within the power of the state of Connecticut to amend this constitution so we could tax Yale? Did you know that? Oh. Do you even know how much it costs to run for office? All right. Do you even know how much you get paid if you're a state rep or a senator? Because I wonder if you knew those numbers, if you'd realize why, in particular, our black and brown people suffer. Even if they make it that far to represent us, they get tied down with the fact that they can't just be a full-time state rep or full-time senator because they have to pay their mortgage or their rent. They have to pay that car note. They have to buy food. 
right? We have EDs and nonprofits, black and brown EDs, who can't even write a budget to pay themselves. Did you know that? Did you know that in most of these universities, when our black and brown students enroll, they have these beautiful dreams of becoming teachers, social workers, you name it, they're dreaming it. But they get so far because their power, place, and privilege cannot afford them the access and opportunity. Why don't you have a problem with that? Why don't you have a problem with the fact that we have so many children in all our schools, black and brown children? I mean, I didn't go to school in this country, so I could only empathize with those who did, to be fair, right? But I don't know how I would have done if I went to a school that looked like a fucking jail for most of my life. I walk into some of these high schools and I'm always stunned when I'm done. I say the same thing. I know I do it. Because even though I know it happens, it's still like, my God. You look up at the ceilings, you're seeing mold. You're seeing a missing ceiling cover. It looks like a fucking prison. The mood changes when you enter. Right? Because now it goes from being on the street to, good God, I don't know what time I'm going to leave here. You feel the PTSD as you go through the door. Right? So how the fuck do you expect our black and brown children to be productive in that environment? And why are you putting that burden on them? Right? How come when we see the news about the police stopping a group of bikers, white bikers, it's always friendly. They always make it seem like we tried so hard. They, oh, my God, they were so violent and so loud. They had all their bikes and music. and da, 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 da. You never see an image of an officer pulling a gun or any of them dressed in military equipment. You never see that. Nobody's in riot gear. Nobody's afraid. But let me, you, and a few other people go in front of City Hall right now to protest the fact that we don't have access to certain things. And watch how fast the police show up because we're black and brown, power, place, and privilege. Or even better, the few of us could go to the same spot and just be hanging out there. We decided to do an outside barbecue. So we bike down there and we're minding our good business. And now all of a sudden we see a cop car staring, the alphabet boys show up. Why is that? Power, place, and privilege. But then again, we have to look at ourselves because we seem to think, now, before I say this, let me prelude by saying, I didn't tell you that we don't have white people who are genuine invested. I didn't say that. I will never say that because I know quite a few actually. And to be quite frank, you wouldn't know them either because they don't shove themselves to be in front. You know why? Because they gave up their power and place because they know they have that privilege. Ha! See, if you want to ask me what it takes to be an ally is when you understand, accept, and enact what power, place, and privilege means in the movement in a positive way for the advancement of black and brown people. Not when you use your power, place, and privilege to shove black and brown people out of their own space. Seriously, how is it that, think about this. Look at all these different committees formed by the state of Connecticut regarding basic needs, resources for black and brown communities. Well, let's just say communities as a whole. How come we don't see more black and brown nonprofit leaders up there? And why do we always see the same set of white privilege, powerful EDs at the you know, decision-making table in different places? But we don't have a problem with that. But then we have a problem as to why things aren't working and I can't catch a break. Well, how the fuck would you if we don't have people who look like us in the place so they could have the privilege and use their power to help empower and advance us. You tell me, how does that work? Right? Why do we feel that we need to have them that writing? Because that's been taught. That's the grooming. That's the, uh, yeah, if I have like, you know, these white people, you know, I didn't say you shouldn't have white allies helping you. Don't, don't come for me. That's different. But when they start taking the forefront of your movement, and shoving your people out, and then you look at your pictures, and you start noticing, wait a minute, my office used to have 
a bunch of different people up here. We had this guy who brought in the Jamaican food, this one who, you know, ordered a Chinese, you, you know, the whole breakdown change in the office. You ever seen that? Because that happens too in the workforce. People will take over a business or, you know, start running a department and they start, you know, replacing people because they want them to reflect who and what they're looking for. And if you see the shade of the room changing, you need to start asking questions why, right? But then there's also the colorism amongst us that plays into power, place, and privilege. Because some of us, when we get, you know, that title and that position, mm -hmm, we forget where we came from. You could go ahead and do that. Your history defines you. And you could run, but you can't hide from it, right? And we need to call that out too. So while we look at the white people and we, we you know, critique their power, place, and privilege, let us not forget that we have some of us who are in those spaces and they do some of the most fucked up things you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even think they just sell us down the river. I think they just sell us down <laughs> the whole fucking ocean, <laughs> to be quite frank. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they do it so senselessly. You see it a lot when you see like things with police involved. You see it most predominantly there. You'll see the good black cop or good Latinx cop has to step forward, you know, to show that, yes, this white man just made this decision, but we back them up because we believe in democracy. Why do we need to do that? Hmm? Why do we feel like things won't go right unless we have that buy-in? Because we were taught that way when we're afraid. We're afraid of what it means to have power, place, and privilege. Because how could you accept something you've never had? If you've never had power, place, or privilege, and that's not something, you know, that's ever been in your life. You know, you didn't grow up in the best neighborhood or had the best household or access to opportunity, right? You would never know those things. If you grew up in, in the house where you were destined to fail just by how people spoke to you, just by how you felt about yourself, those days when you wanted to slit your wrists or the days you opened the fridge and nothing was there, power, place, and privilege, you don't know what it is. And so it will be a learning curve when you get it. And that's another thing we need to get better at. If you're in those positions and you realize, oh, shit, I, you know, I really, I think I bit off my kachu here. I find myself not as in tune with my community as before then maybe it's a good time to say, I need to reflect, revise, and retry. People change. It's okay. We need to make room for that, right? And be purposeful. Did you ever notice, like, let's, let's use our friend, um, you know, Bill Clinton there. <laughs> Post a boy for a press release. Why? Because the minute all those rumors came out. He wasted no time coming out acknowledging what he did. I'm going to give Bill credit, not just for his saxophone skills, if you know what I mean, but also for the fact that he took in front of that, which is a lesson to be learned. See, you could learn things from how white people strategize and use it, not the way they did, but improve yourself from it. You see them misusing their power, then you figure out what does, that, what does it look like when power is used properly and enact that. When, you know, just like Bill recreated himself right in front of us, he did it. He went from being the president of the United States to being a womanizer back to being the president right in front of our face. It happens a lot. People, you know, reinvent themselves. Look at Rihanna. When Rihanna first started, she was this little island chick. The accent was thick. She still have a thick accent and she's still thick. We love you, Rihanna. But look at her style changes. She evolved in front of us. People change. So don't think that if... There are people who sold out, they can't change. What we need to do, you know, I'm not saying go beg them to see the difference. But if you're in a position where you may have fucked up yourself, take that risk and make that change. You'll be better for it. Tomorrow is another day to be better, right? You could do it. If you feel like, man, I really did. There was a couple of times I really should have said something. I should have I done this you know, blah, blah, blah. You could regain your power place and the privilege in that environment by saying, all right, tomorrow, 
this is what I'm going to do different. Give yourself a chance to recreate yourself. Give yourself a chance to, you know, to do it again and do it better this time. Be a better friend. Be a better relative. Be a better leader. Be a better person. Be a better neighbor. Get to know your neighbors, right? Do something crazy like start playing the guitar outside your house and see who comes to listen. Get to know the people in your neighborhood, right? I keep telling you all, when black and brown people come together and we start communicating, organizing, that's the fear. All of them have it. It's just to what degree it plays out, right? And some of them see it as a way to help us be better. And the, the, them I'm referring to as white people. But most of them, unfortunately, see it as a means to guard and protect their position and their wealth and their identity, right? They do that. Here's another opportunity if you didn't think of one. The next legislative session in Connecticut is going to be a short one. By that I mean this past session was what they would call a long one because there was more time for the actual legislative session process, meaning bill proposal, bill hearing, and decision making. Each year, it could be the long or short. Next year is the short year, which means the year after that is the long year. Even though it's a short year, and this is something that pisses me off because I hate when people say, well, it's a short year, so we can't go after this. Go after it anyway. You got to start somewhere. Figure out if there's something that you want to see change legally, a law, and find two or three people. Start with that and start talking about it. See who they know that could help you make it happen. In your town, you notice that the school is falling apart? Reach out to the other parents. You could do it. You could do it. Right? We could regain ourselves. We just have to believe in us and each other enough to do that. Right? That toxic person, you could remove them. You just have to do it. You just have to do it. Surround you. Build your army. Build up your people. You could get rid of the toxicity. From the job to the streets to your house, you could do it. To, you know, lawmakers, we could do it. You don't like who's running your town? Let's figure out how we can find someone else and help them be in that position. And if that fails, don't give up. That's the other thing we need to get better at. Hold them accountable. Just because you fought for that bill or to get that change at that school, or to get that person appointed in that office and it didn't work out doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable. That means you just even get more vested in holding them accountable to the point they have to fucking change it. You see what I'm saying? We could do it. Power, place, and privilege. Know what that means when it comes to your allies. What does a white ally, what does that mean? What does that look like? Ask those questions. How does the power, place, and privilege play into that? Look at what I just said. I have white ally friends, comrades, that I could call right now and ask legal advice, work advice, personal advice, plant advice. I could just ask advice, right? When they show up to a call to action, you don't see them shoving themselves in front or trying to take up all the space or telling me what to do. And I don't feel like I have to compete with them. That's the difference. That's a white ally. If a white person is really vested in helping you, whether it be on the job, in the movement, you know, legislatively, wherever the fuck it is, at the grocery store, if they are vested, you'll know the difference when they're vested for the right reason, just by how their power, place, and privilege plays out. You see it all the time. Next time you work in the, you know, go into the grocery store, Try, you know, asking somebody for advice on something and see how that plays out. See how they respond to you. Go to that lady staring at the meat and say, listen, I'm making a stew. How you feel about this one? And listen to how they talk to you. You'll know the difference. You'll know by how they're speaking just in that interaction, just a little bit. Now, I'm not going to lie. It could be they're very good at, you know, putting up that front too. So that wouldn't be the only time, but it's just like a litmus test just to show you. Because some people could be real passive aggressive. Or here's a better one. 
Give a white person feedback. That's that's the big one. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever had this or seen this or experienced this happening. Have you ever been in a situation where a white person was corrected about something? Well, wouldn't you know I've been in that situation a few times. And how that plays out is very telling. I've seen white people get super fucking defensive. Like, I remember being part of a group of people, you know, working on a particular bill. And a couple other people, black and brown, respectively, they had like their own thoughts and opinions on how certain things should go. And one of the white people, at least one of them, because they started getting support really quick. Well, I did this because of this, and I did that. It became about the narcissism was just on on high. Or they'll do fuck shit like invite them to things and not, you know, have them at the highlight, the forefront, but more like, you know, a side piece. And then when they get the feedback on it, very defensive. Well, I did that because so-and-so came to represent this one. Or da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, always when they receive the feedback. Very interesting, especially when it comes from us. Now, if they get feedback from a fellow white person, the tone changes. That's another litmus test, right? Watch what happens when white people talk to each other and they give each other feedback. Well, you know, I think you should have done it this way. And ha, 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 you're right, girl. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. But when we do it, oh, well, I did this because this is how I felt. Like it's a whole research paper reason why. Some things don't need to be this difficult. But when it is, it's very telling, very, very telling, right? The question is, what are we going to do about it? I never said this is an easy road. I won't tell you that lie. There's cost to standing up against white supremacy. I could talk about that for days, some of which I've incurred myself, but I'm not the only one. We're watching right now with Obama. You know, it's not about him being perfect. It's the fact that this is a black man, a black leader being torn down right in front of us. I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan, but that doesn't mean I like watching her get torn down, right? There's a lot of people I could say that for. Look at Cornel West, how he's being received. What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. We have black and brown people who are denouncing him. And it's just like, are you serious? Do you even know? Okay. But these are opportunities when you hear these things and see these things to say, hey, did you know that Cornel West wrote on social injustices. Here's a couple of his papers. Or did you know that, um, you know, Obama, yeah, you know, he was not the best when it came to immigrant rights, but what about, you know, all the other people you know that fall into that category, right? They're getting torn down right in front of us. I know activists, (laughs) don't get me started. There are a lot of activists, grassroots activists, who get attacked, myself included. Nobody gives a fuck. I'll give you one. A couple of years ago, um, during the legislative session, I came across a bill that was regarding, you know, filming scenes, you know, sensitive scenes, crime scenes, and so. And this woman, while I was listening to other testimony, I came across this and I decided to write a testimony for it because I was so moved by the bill. So this woman provided testimony in favor of the bill, as I did as well, on behalf of Black and Brown, United in Action. And her testimony was regarding, it was lived experience, what happened when her son had gotten into an accident. And this person who runs a vlog decided to show up and film the entire scene. So she would find out about her son from somebody telling her about that video. And because I had seen this and experienced witnesses happening to other people, I was like, nah, fuck that. We got to drop a a testimony. See, that's how you could do things. Just right then and there. Now, I I didn't work on the bill. I didn't, none of that. But because I knew it would be beneficial to all, I provided testimony. Now, what would happen is said vlogger, who's quite renowned in New Haven, right, on scene media, would get quite upset because I referenced one of the videos he created because that's what he was doing. And he had done that to someone I'd known and I didn't appreciate it, nor did the person involved. 
nor did other people. Because what he would do is show up to these different crime scenes and then he would live cast, right? You're not thinking about the family on the other end or those involved. You're not thinking about the children. You, you don't give a fuck about the neighbors, definitely. And you're drawing all this attention, calling it live news. Why the fuck don't you go do that in your own fucking neighborhood? Because the truth was he wasn't from the areas that he was due. That's what made it worse. So just imagine something happens in, on your street. Here comes this white boy and his friends. And they're all, and mind you, he's so fucking important. He had to have a bulletproof vest to do this. Get the fuck out of here. So he would show up. And while the police, you know, are investigating the scene, here he comes and he's vlogging, live casting the whole time. And what would happen is over time, people would voice their concerns, but he would just ignore them because so many people bought into it. So many people like, oh, you're doing such a great job. Thank you. Thank you for showing us the real crime. Bullshit. Bullshit. So I decided and I knew that when I was going to do it, it was going to be a problem. But I did it anyway because I was fed up. And I wrote my testimony. And then the trolling began. Okay? They trolled the fuck out of me on social media. The hate mail. The gaslighting. And it wouldn't just be on social media either. Because guess what? You know there's a face behind the keyboard that's looking through the social media. So of course now I have all these people who are his devout fans that he was able to convince that I was trying to destroy him. No, the fuck I wasn't. I was trying to restore the rights and dignity of people who were affected, asshole, right? And I won't take that back because you do not get to profit and exploit our community just because you're a little white boy with a video camera. Get the fuck out of here. You're not even from this neighborhood and you show up and you take all these films and you're working with the police. So what you're really doing is upholding the white supremacy and stigmatizing our communities more. And you are a representation of white media that I, I mentioned, that that vision, that picture of what we look like that helps with the grooming and the mental slavery for that matter, because that's what it is. And he got upset and this affected me in various ways, because guess what? Some of the people who were devout fans of his work were also people I worked with. So that wasn't a fun time. And I was made to feel like I was wrong for standing up for something that I believed in. But then again, like I told you all before, I'm not going to ignore the fact that I looked the part of a waste of time. Right. I'm not a size two. And, you know, um, I'm not super light skin. Right. And my hair is not exactly pin straight. Hmm. And I guess I'm not the most likable person. I, I've been told and I've heard that I'm a bitch which thank you for that. I appreciate y'all. You know, so it wasn't a hard sell because I looked the part that he was portraying, but so do you. So don't think just because it happened to me, it can't happen to you. And don't think it won't just happen once. Yes, the fuck they'll do it. Because as my friend said, when they can't control it and conquer it, they burn it the fuck down. And it's how they do it that we need to get better at recognizing. Stop letting them come in your space that white boy tried to come in the ville and take our space. And I said, no, you could do the same thing. Take your space back. And guess what? If you lose friends and people in the process, that just meant they didn't believe in the same thing. Because you also will gain some. They're there. You just need to find them. And it may take time. Don't get caught up on being a celebrity either. If you're doing this work or anything to improve us as a community, and you're doing it so you can be seen in the paper. You're doing it for all the wrong reasons as far as I'm concerned. Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad told us that camera is the who's narcotic? The white man's narcotic. So when you all start with that shit and get caught up in it, don't be surprised by the results is all I'm saying. Don't be surprised if your own people start saying, well, I don't really fuck with you no more. Or I, don't, I don't really know what that person has going on because I don't see people who look like me doing it no more. Don't get surprised when you ran for office and you don't get the same support anymore because the black people are, and brown people are fed up of you. Or on the job, you're not as popular anymore. People get tired, right? What we need to do a better job is getting tired together and doing something about it. Well, thanks for joining me. I hope you thought about a couple of things and I hope that you continue to support, empower us here on the podcast. 
and the group Black and Brown United in Action. Check us out on Linktree. We have a Linktree, Black and Brown United in Action. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. You know, I can't do it without you all. I do have my share of words for the people who attack, but I want to say a special thank you to all the people who support me and Black and Brown United in Action and the sound of Black and Brown, the people who you don't see or sometimes do, who support the show, protect us, share positive words and encourage us, and they share the podcast and our content on our page and social media. We truly, truly appreciate you. Can't do it without you. Can't thank you enough. Your solidarity is greatly, greatly appreciated. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day. And just remember, tomorrow's another day to be better. That's all for now. Fist up.